Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here on a Thursday morning. It's February 9th, 2023, year of our Lord. Thanks for joining us for this round of the Four Oaks Pastoral Devotionals. We're making our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be preaching on the temptation of Jesus from Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And what we're doing the week prior, and this is sort of a new format we're trying out, seems to be going okay, I think, so far, is that we are covering the passage beforehand in little bitty chunks. We're trying to break it down, trying to exegete it, draw out the meaning, the passages, words, so that we can give ourselves some tools to better read, understand, and interpret the Word of God for ourselves. And it sort of prepares us for being together on that next Lord's Day, um, opening God's Word together. So we are in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Let me read the passage for us. Let's dig in. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, you, not, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and we're ministering to him. So you've heard me say it. I'll keep repeating it. I think it's helpful to think about biblical interpretation as a, as a series of concentric circles, where at the very center of those circles, you have the meaning of the text, um, the truth. Um, you, this is what we're aiming to get. We're, we're aiming to get to the essence of, of what the text is actually saying. And to do that, we, we start on the outer rims here, right? We, we talk about the context. And here, this follows the, um, the coronation, the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus is set aside as king. Now, he's, he's set aside not as a sinner who needs cleansing, but as a substitute who's going to take our place. And here is sort of the, well, show me that you really are the son of God text, right? Show me that you really are the champion. Show us that you really are the second Adam. So Jesus is led by the spirit to be um, tempted by the devil. And as we talked about yesterday and the day before, this is this, all of this, this 40 days is sort of patterned after, again, Israel's 40 years in the wilderness where they failed um, the, the, the testing that God brought them through were tempted, committed idolatry, and were subjected to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Will Jesus be the better and more true Israel? And yesterday, we, we spent a good bit of time talking about the difference in temptation and testing. Remember, testing and temptation 
the word for those in the Greek is the same. And it's a neutral word, but it can mean either testing as in a, a positive testing to show what one is made of, to show what's underneath, to prove the worth or strength of, or it can be negative to tempt towards sin and the flesh. And really the way that we hold those intention is by understanding that it is not God who tempts us, right? Only the devil tempts us. This echoes James 1. But yet God does test us. He does lead us to a place of uh, wanting to sharpen our hearts and to, and to use suffering and tribulation to reveal what's in our hearts, to shape us, to make us more like him. And so what God intends as a testing, Satan sees as an opportunity for temptation. And this is what we're finding in the text. God does not tempt us, but he most certainly does test us. So let's get into the, the, the heart now of the text. There are three temptations that Satan brings the way of Jesus. And we want to look briefly at those, and we want to see how it is that Jesus responds to those temptations. So the first one is this. Um, we find this in verse 3. The tempter says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, the fact that Jesus is fasting in the wilderness for 40 days indicates that this was something that the Spirit led him to do, that this was part of his spiritual preparation for ministry. And when Satan is, is telling Jesus to make these stones turn into bread, what he's saying is, I know what God has told you to do. I know that God has has sent you to the wilderness and has has told you to fast and set aside yourself for him but the son of god if you're the son of god i mean you made the bread jesus the son of god is worth more than this uh, the son of god should not subject himself to such a test and so what satan is is doing there is really repeating the not just the manna in the wilderness grumbling that happens with the israelites but really the very first sin of our first parents right that God, that God must be withholding something. And instead of trusting that God is providing for them, Adam and Eve take what they're not supposed to do, they disobey God. That's the same, that's the same temptation here, that, that somehow God is holding out on me and that this, this suffering that I'm undergoing is somehow run contrary to his purposes. And here Jesus responds with the word of God. And by the way, all three times that he responds to a temptation with the word of God, this comes from Deuteronomy 6 through 8. He kind of draws various passages from those scriptures, which, which probably, probably signals to us, one, that, that he, he has these, these words memorized, right? He's not going out most likely to the desert with his scrolls. These are things that he's memorized and hidden in his heart. And, and he quotes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Satan, I'm going to trust God, even through suffering, even, even through tribulation, that he will feed me, that he will provide for me when it is best for him. All right. Now the second temptation, verse five, the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is probably most likely, um, um, on Herod's temple, which was the second temple, there was a section of the temple that extended out over the precipice over the Kidron Valley. It was probably at least 400 feet, 500 feet high. Um, this was where church 
history tradition says that, by the way, James was thrown and martyred off of that precipice. Well, somehow they're transported supernaturally to this place. And Satan says, Jesus, why don't you cast yourself down? Okay. So if, if the first temptation, and let God save you, right? He will command his angels concerning you. Well, if the first temptation was, you know, don't trust God um, for your provision. This one is presume upon God for your provision, right? Just cast yourself down. And here he quotes Psalm 91. Um, and so here the devil's gotten a little smarter. He's quoting scripture um, to confront Jesus with this temptation. It's a reminder, even the devil quotes scripture. It's a reminder, as my seminary professor often said, you can quote scripture and be committing heresy. And that's certainly what this, what Satan is doing here. He's, he's stripping a verse out of context. And he's saying, test the Lord, right? Jump off this cliff. See, see what happens. Presume upon his graces. And this is, this is the temptation we oftentimes have of if one extreme is we, is, we, is we don't trust in the grace of God, the second temptation is that we presume upon the grace of God. So it's just kind of like saying, well, the Bible says that God's going to provide for all my needs. He's going to feed me, but yet I'm not going to work. I'm not going to labor. I'm not going to earn money. God will just somehow miraculously feed me. Well, this is where we have to understand the totality of Scripture, right? We have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Paul says very clearly, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? And so one of the ways God provides for provision for us is through his means of grace, which is working and farming and those sorts of things. And so very interesting that Jesus counters Satan's out-of-context verse with an in-context verse where he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, this is what the Israelites continually did in the wilderness. They tested the Lord. And we are not to test the Lord. We are not to presume upon the Lord. We are not to say, it doesn't really matter how I live or what I do or where I go or how I do things. I, um, I'm just going to trust that, that God's going to cover over a multitude of sins, no matter how foolish and unwise I am in being um, foolish and unwise, okay? So that's the second temptation. The third temptation, and I find this one particularly interesting because here, all of the disguises are off. Satan reveals his true agenda. He says, he takes him to the peak of the, a very high mountain. This is probably in a vision. Where, again, we're not totally sure. They can see all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. He says, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, a couple of, of thoughts here. One is, we have to ask, are the kingdoms of the world really Satan's to give? And in some way, we have to say, yes, they are. We know from John 12, 2 Corinthians 4, that Satan has been given dominion over the world for a time. It still belongs to God, but he's been given sort of a special dispensation or reign to wreak havoc and confusion and sin and destruction upon people and upon the earth. And so in some way, he does have sway over the kingdoms of the world. Um, Secondly, we have to say, well, don't, isn't, aren't these kingdoms ultimately God's? How, how can Satan give something um, to God that God instituted to begin with? Well, let, here's where I think it's helpful to remember what the chief mission of Jesus was. 
Jesus's chief mission was not to come and establish an earthly kingdom. It was not to set up a, an earthly messianic rule. It was to bring forth the kingdom of God and spiritually into men and women's hearts and minds to, to rule and to reign, to die for sin. If Jesus were to accept Satan's offer, one, it would create an irrevocable break in the Trinity, okay? Um, put him at cross purposes with God. Um, but two, it would be forsaking his messianic mission. So in order for him to be king of the earth, okay, would mean he would forego the cross and assume power over the earth and, and settle for an earthly kingdom versus an eternal kingdom. And all of this can come to him, of course, by bowing down to Satan. And of course, this is an easy one for Jesus to refute, but I think it's the most profound one of all the temptations. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's a reminder that all sin at its heart is idolatry. It's wanting something more than we want God. It's wanting, even if it's something good that God has given, it's something we want in the wrong way or in the wrong amounts. Jesus is one day going to return. He's going to rule over the earth. Um, it's everything is going to be united as heaven and earth are joined together, but it's going to be on his terms, not as him being subjected to Satan, which doesn't make any sense anyway. What Satan is after here is glory, his glory, and he wants to thwart the purposes of God. Once again, Jesus counters temptation with scripture, and not just scripture, a base knowledge of scripture, but knowing the situations, the circumstances, the, the context for when to apply scripture, how to interpret one scripture in light of another scripture. This whole thing about uh, cast yourself down and presume upon God in quoting Psalm 91 and the second temptation, um, that, again, that's, that's how heresy happens. That's how false teaching happens is taking verses out of context like God will heal you or God will provide for you or God will give you, make you rich, or, or whatever the, the promise happens to be without understanding it within the full context of Scripture. So these all are things that commend us to be students of the Word, but humble students who are submitted to God and His ways. All right, so that takes us through the bulk of the passage. Tomorrow, we want to look at the final triumph of Jesus over Satan and, and what it means for us. What does it mean when he says, be gone, Satan, and that the angels came and were ministering to him? What does victory really look like against temptation? That's tomorrow, Friday. Hope you join us. Let's pray. Lord, help us to learn about the way you fought off temptation so that we too might walk faithfully before you. So, Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.